Bringing you the latest research, tools, and common sense tips you need to get and stay healthy. It's Talk Healthy Today. Here's Lisa Davis. So glad you're listening to Talk Healthy Today. A few years ago, I did an anthology with Trisha Blivent-Chazanoff called Easy to Love but Hard to Live With. It was about people with invisible challenges, whether it be mental health challenges, learning differences, uh, and some other issues as well. And, you know, when people think about mental health issues, there's stigma attached, which is just absolutely heartbreaking because we need to be able to talk and be open about these issues. And we're going to be talking about something today that I haven't addressed. I have addressed depression before, but this is something called perfectly hidden depression. And we're going to be discussing it with Dr. Margaret Rutherford. Hello, Dr. Rutherford. Welcome to Hi, Lisa. Today. Please call me Margaret. Hello to everybody. I'm okay. delighted to be here. Well, you know, Margaret, I heard you on my friend Sarah, uh, Sarah Fader's podcast. This is what anxiety feels like. Given our big right. shout out, it's a great podcast. I really enjoyed the conversation. And, and as I mentioned, I with the book that I did, uh, we interviewed people who have the issues and then we interviewed people who love them and uh, and what it's like to live with them. And, and then we had experts. I wish I had known you. I would have loved to have you in the book. <laughs> I have to do a great another. idea. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. Yeah. I'll have to send you one again. Easy to love but hard to live with. But I bring it up because I didn't know about perfectly hidden depression. So what is that? It's a perfectly hidden depression is a term that I sort of created about three years ago when I was thinking about certain patients of mine who was, did not come into therapy to, for depression. They came in perhaps because of relationship issues or because of an eating disorder or because of some anxiety or exhaustion. And if I didn't listen really carefully and not pay attention to what they looked like, I wouldn't catch their depression. But you have to listen very closely. These people are either intentionally or unintentionally, quite unconsciously, creating a facade or a persona that exudes confidence, exudes strength, exudes gaiety and engagement with life. And yet underneath all that, they are depressed. And I think of perfectly hidden depression as a syndrome. And what a syndrome is, it's a group of behaviors or experiences or characteristics that tend to fall together. For example, codependence is a syndrome. So I have, I have come upon and tried to create uh, 10 traits of perfectly hidden depression that I think you and I are going to talk about a little later. What happened, Lisa, when I wrote about it on my own uh, website is that it went viral. It was the first viral post I ever had. I was shocked. Wow. I was really just sitting around thinking about three or four of my patients and thinking, you know, this is kind of interesting. And all of a sudden, all these emails started coming in. This is me. I can't believe you figured this out. What can I do about it? Let me tell you my story. And then when it was on the Huffington Post, I got, I forgot and left my email on there. <laughs> and about oh. <laughs> 250 emails later, uh, in oh two days, it, it, it was, um, people were saying, yes, um, we, we've even been to therapists and they've looked at us and said, well, you know, you don't fit criteria for depression. And yet these people can even be suicidal. Oh, wow. Well, that's why it's so imperative that you're here today and that you're doing the work that you're doing how surprised were you by I, the reaction? I've been passionate about it for quite for three years now. 
Oh, I bet. And I mean, 250 emails in two days, were you blown away? I was blown away. I was staying up till 2 or 3 o'clock in the morning answering emails. And <laughs> my husband goes, what are you doing? And I said, this, this outpouring of emotion. And the stories themselves were so riveting and profound that I, I, I got, I, in, in about a week's time, I got back to everybody. There was even one woman here locally who wrote to me and said, I was going to hurt myself this week, but after reading your post, I'm going to go home and talk to my family. And she's not the only one who has either admitted suicidal uh, thoughts or an actual attempt uh, or or certainly thoughts of just, it would be better if they were dead. So, and and yet, and yet, the important thing to remember is that uh, they don't look like classic depression. They, They don't. They're the people who have their hands up in the air volunteering to do everything. They're the people who are really a good friend to other people. Um, But inside, they learned a long time ago that they just couldn't do painful emotions. They didn't choose to do it. They were told not to do it. There's several different actual beginnings of perfectly hidden depression. Well, expand on some of those beginnings for us. Sure. I'd be more than happy to. Uh, if you have a dysfunctional parent, like an alcoholic parent or a mentally ill parent, often as a child you are pulled into a pseudo-adult relationship with that parent. Your job is to take care of that parent. And oftentimes in those situations, children learn that they don't get to talk about themselves. They don't get to talk about whatever is going on with them. Their goal in life is to make someone else happy and to take care of someone else. And they carry that strategy into their adulthood and can become hidden, depressed people. Um, Another scenario is one where you wouldn't believe the amount of families where pain is simply not addressed. Uh, I talked to a guy one time who said, you know, his mother died when he was two. And all pictures of her were taken out of the home. Uh, His father remarried very early. He was forced to call that woman mother. And when he tried to talk about his mother or uh, even with his siblings who were older than him, his father banned it. We won't talk about sad things in this house. So there are many people who grow up in those kinds of environments. Perhaps they're very uh, uh, conservative in in, in the way they think about good and bad or whatever, but uh, that is a message that many children get. Uh, another way, of course, is many men are told not to talk about their feelings, um, and their gender uh, has a, still has a terrible stereotype, especially in some areas of the country. And so they learn, no, 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 I have to be stoic. I have to make sure that Everybody else is taken care of. I certainly can't talk about my own pain or trauma. Another and fourth, and then I'll stop because I I, there's several. <laughs> if you've been abused, if you've been physically abused, sexually abused, emotionally abused, you've been keeping a secret for years. And frequently in those kinds of homes, you certainly just take whatever is passed out to you and you're told not to tell, you're told that something bad will happen if you tell. And so often people who have been somehow abused or neglected learn not to address their own pain. 
You know, it's interesting when you talked about the first one, that that was my family. My mother had chronic illness and my sister right. and I took care of her. And uh, yeah, I remember she would go to the hospital and my dad would sit down, me, my sister, my brother, and he would just say, your mom's at the hospital. She's got another knee surgery or she's doing this. This is happening. And you're just going to take care of her. And that's that. There was no, how do you feel? That must be scary that your mother's going to the hospital. Now, granted, this was the 1970s. So I don't think that's right. how people talked back then. Um, right. But that's how I talk with my child. So, so this hard thing's happening. How are you feeling about that? You know, um, but now I'm a total people pleaser and I want to make everybody happy <laughs> and all this stuff. So yeah, <laughs> like, darn it. Damn those parents of mine. Um, Yes. So I, I really resonate with that. And I'm sure so many people listening, unfortunately, have these. Now, if you have that situation, you don't obviously don't automatically develop this, but you're, you, there's more of a propensity is, is what you're seeing. Exactly. And again, I think it's okay. important to understand that um, some people who have this know exactly what they're doing. Uh, I've interviewed almost 50 people personally and had like one to two hour interviews with them all. And some of them know, they they know that they are very consciously every day putting a smile on their face and um, and not talking about themselves much, things like that, uh, being very perfectionistic. And yeah, not I, that it's not painful. It's very painful to do that. It's very lonely to do that. But they know what they're doing. Then there are other people, Lisa, that I've heard from that have said, I you're your posts were actually beginning to irritate me. They kept coming on my Facebook feed. This is what somebody told me. <laughs> and then she said, so finally I just read it. And I was blown away by how how this is me. I didn't even recognize that it was unhealthy to be this way. So uh, that's more of an unconscious process. And I think that's what makes perfectly hidden depression a little different from some things I've read about smiling depression or or uh, uh, high-functioning depression, those are strategies that people come up with to to uh, handle what is they know is depression, but they are, they're not wanting to deal with it. They're not wanting other people to see it. There are also people well, with perfectly hidden depression that don't have a clue that there's anything wrong with them. They know wow. they're depressed. They know yeah. that's not quite right. They know there's something okay. They know there's something wrong. But they, they would not call it depression ever. You know, I want to jump into these 10 because the time goes by. We're like almost halfway done, which is really sad wow. because there's so much to talk about. We have to come back. So let's jump into these. So the first one is sure. perfectionism with a constant critical inner voice. Yes. And what I mean by that is there are lots of folks who are perfectionistic. It's not necessarily a bad quality at all. You want your surgeon to be perfectionistic, right? Yeah. <laughs> but... Um, but these are people who nothing they do is good enough. Uh, they, if, if, even if something looks wonderful that they've done, they'll always look for that thing that could be improved. So they have this constant critical nagging voice. And they probably got that from their parents, I'm guessing. Uh, often. It's really their parents' yes. voice or somebody's voice, you know, a, a, a priest or a teacher or a something that criticized them and was close to them. Yeah, it could be lots of people's voices. And number two is heightened or excessive sense of responsibility. Yes. Again, I sort of mentioned this uh, a few minutes ago. They are the people who often volunteer if they're going to be involved, if their children's going to be involved. Uh, they are, they're going to be there. They're the 
president of the PTA. They're the the guy who is organizing volunteer efforts to help a family whose home was torn up by a tornado. They're those people. They take lots of responsibility and, in fact, have mm-hmm. to watch it because they can feel like their worth is defined by what they accomplish. Oh, okay. I was going to say, I was thinking that. I was also wondering if it's also just to kind of escape feeling sad, feelings of sadness or just escape feelings, period. Very much indeed. It is a distraction for sure. Yeah. All right. Number three is difficulty with accepting and expressing painful emotions. Yes, this is a very, I'm sure many of your listeners have uh, read Dr. Brene Brown's work, and this is somewhat similar to what she is saying. It's a very shame-based avoidance of painful emotions, uh, like shame. You're ashamed to feel those. You feel like there's something wrong with feeling uh, anger or fear or disappointment. And so you don't want to even accept that you have them. Um, And I've certainly worked with people who even have difficulty finding the words. (laughs) Since they haven't ever talked about it, their language is somewhat simplistic when they try to talk about feeling bad. Um, And giving yourself permission to do this is one of the chief ways to... Uh, to confront perfectly hidden depression is by beginning to reveal who all of who you really are. And is that something you do with uh, people who come to see you, especially if they were raised as, you know, I'm thinking about men who don't feel that, you're not supposed to feel that, you're supposed to be tough all the time, you know, don't yes. feel your emotions. Yes, it's, yes, we deal with it all the time. And um, it's, but it's different. It's not like someone who, you know, depression is sort of an implosion of the self classic depression, meaning that it's very hard to get your energy going outside. And so expressing emotions, mm-hmm. sometimes you become quiet or you become more melancholy or you become angry, but you're, you're focused a lot inwardly. Uh, the, the work with someone with classic depression is more trying to get that energy to go out and to become reengaged with the world and with people. Uh, with perfectly hidden depression, the therapeutic work is really to get them go to go inwardly, <laughs> to be, stop focusing so much on what's going on around them outside and to begin to focus on what is going to be for them a very painful internal world, but it's it's affecting them in ways they don't know, like exactly. thoughts. You see? Yes. yes. The work is and very different. I, yeah, and I've always felt like you have you can't go around it. You have to go through it. Exactly. When it comes I to pain. not agree with you more. Yeah, there's actually a great Rush song where it says something about that. But anyway, I wanted to give credit (laughs) where credit is due. Okay, uh, worry, number four, worry, need for control over herself and her environment. Right. This is, these people are, tend to be worriers. They tend to believe that worry is constructive, which it really isn't. Um, And they need a lot of control. They, um, and I'm a fine one to talk. (laughs) My husband would say this is the need for control is definitely me. Um. But these people, they look great. I mean, they're, they're often very physically fit or they, you know, they work out, they do things. Their homes look perfect. I, one of the first people I ever saw that I began to believe had this actually did try to kill herself. Her husband called me. I went over to their home. He told me how to get in. And um, I found her, and she had taken a bunch of pills. But when I walked in her house, Lisa, it was 
perfect. The dish towels were drying. I mean, the pillows were fluffed. There weren't any toys anywhere. I mean, you could it looked like a Better Homes and Gardens kind of home. And yet, here she was trying to commit suicide in the bedroom. So that juxtaposition of having lots of control in their lives, but inwardly they are uh, agitated and confused and often kind of broken. You know, it, it makes me think about a, a woman that, uh, I guess I'd say she was a colleague. She was somebody who came on my show quite a bit. We had talked about, <clears throat> excuse me, writing a book together. And I, I recently right. learned that she committed suicide. And I mean, this woman was drop dead gorgeous. And I'm not saying just because you're gorgeous, you don't have issues, but drop dead gorgeous, super fit, super health conscious, traveled the world. I was envious of her career because I'm like, oh my God. I mean, I love my family, but you know, it's like, oh my gosh, yeah, she's sure. single, she can run around and do whatever <laughs> she wants. Uh, you know, in terms of travel and this and that. And uh, when I found out, I was just, I was like, what? I, and I knew that she had had a history of severe sexual abuse and uh, mm-hmm. trauma. Mm-hmm. And, you know, that that sticks with you. I'm not saying you can't work through it, but at least when I, I'd love to have you back to talk about this topic because it's so unfortunately common. But I was just so surprised because if you looked at her, you'd be like, oh, she's got it all together. Exactly. I wish I could be like her. Yeah. Exactly, and, really and I've the last couple of years, several uh, at least four people come to mind who I've treated who are widows or widowers of people just like that. <laughs> and so I, um, I don't, not sure your listeners are aware that the the suicide rate in our country and actually internationally is increasing dramatically. And mm. I think that part of it is this fact that there are people who are very depressed who simply aren't coming forward. Uh, as you mentioned in your intro, there is such a stigma to it that um, still, unfortunately, that is is an injustice to the people who simply need some treatment and some help to guide them through either trauma or some kind of pain or whatever they have in their childhoods or in their past that are keeping them from being open about who they really are. Um, you know, Sarah Fader is a great advocate. You mentioned her before that oh, she's she wonderful. talks about her bipolar and her anxiety disorder. Um, this is my brave. The Jennifer Marshall movement is is doing great. I actually performed in it here locally where people get up and talk oh, about, you know, their mental illness. And, and yet these people are your lawyer or your teacher or your, you know, whatever, or your psychologist. Um, so... Uh, it's so important that we begin to be more comfortable and, and and aware that everybody has vulnerabilities, every one of us. And um, not that you want to talk about them incessantly, but you certainly want to accept them. Yeah, I agree. You know, number five, intense focus on tasks, using accomplishments as a way to feel less vulnerable. Is that it's a way to me feel think valuable. of a woman that I just, yeah, oh, valuable. Yeah, exactly, That's, um, exactly. Yeah, that makes me think. Yeah, of her. and we've kind of yeah. She was so some focused. of these some of these partner together a little bit. Uh, this next one, active concern about the well being of others while not allowing anyone into his inner, oh. inner world. What I mean by that is these are not insincere people. These are people who actively really do care about the welfare of others, and they want to be a good friend. They simply have a huge struggle with letting other people know them. So there are a lot. <laughs> So they're great givers, and frequently they will attract great takers. <laughs> and um, so that dynamic is 
con- continues because the takers just take, and and the and the giver or the perfectly hidden oppressed person gives until he or she is empty sometimes, and they will tend to attract people like that. Yeah, but and that's the, tough, right? I mean, there's that attraction to a more narcissistic type of person, right? Right, or or just someone who's very needy themselves and um, likes the attention of the perfectly hidden depressed person. Um, oh. In fact, I, I had a, I did a podcast just yesterday while I was quoting a woman who had written me with perfectly hidden depression. She said that she thinks people like her to be the sympathizer and the one who doesn't make fun of people and the one who's, you know, that they, that's what they really value about her. So how could she possibly start talking about herself? Oh, wow. I'm funny that That's little tough. bit, but yeah. So number seven is or dismisses hurt or abuse from the past or present. I know somebody else who does this. You know, they've been through horrendous things. They'll be like, yeah, it's no big deal. Like, what? Right. Because right. I think part of that, isn't it, you don't want to feel it? Is it a denial oh. mechanism? Or is it oh. also maybe I'm not worthy of feeling good? Very or, much Or I'm so. stuck in very this? Very much so. And mm-hmm. it is, you know, abuse is very difficult to work through. However, I've... I've seen so many people have the courage to do it, and it, it, you have to confront shame. You have to confront, um, uh, you know, sometimes, uh, let's say in sexual abuse, your body responds, and you feel very ashamed of that, or you're, you were physically abused, and, and maybe even in an adult relationship, and you didn't leave after it was, had begun, or, of course, if you're physically abused as a child, you're often told it's your fault. So mm, uh, people struggle to work through that, and they will often say, like, you know, it only happened once, or dad's apologized, or whatever, you know, uh, but they don't actually deal with it themselves. Is there any, I must have done something to piss them off, so I deserved it? Sometimes, yes, sometimes. Mm. Um, there is a sense of, it, especially if it just happened to you and not your siblings, it's very easy oh. to believe that there was something wrong with you rather than you were, um, you were, I mean, you were just the target and you took it. And the other, other siblings, maybe they had a different strategy of how to handle it, but uh, you, you, you just became the target for some reason. I would think also with uh, women who are in domestic violence situations that if they grew up that way, I mean, isn't that just sort uh-huh. of what they know? You betcha. You betcha. It's familiar. Mm. They don't. They get treated poorly mm. almost from the very beginning. Of course, there's usually a honeymoon time, and then they start get, start getting treated poorly, and they will. Um, that's how they define love. That's oh, this was how my dad loved me, or this was how my mom loved me. And so when you get treated like that again, your your definition, your understanding of what love is, well, yeah, this is love. This is, you know, it's a little rocky, but this is love. And no, it's not. <laughs> it's control, it's manipulation, it's violence, it's all these other things. So you have to redefine that for yourself. And so many people struggle to do that and and usually often well now we're going off on a whole other topic but uh sometimes <laughs> until the children are getting hurt then their own children that they'll kind of wake up and leave but uh it's very difficult 
It really is. You know, we only have a couple minutes left, so I'm just going to read uh, the last ones. Uh, accompanying sure. mental health issues involving control or escape from anxiety. Number nine, a strong belief in counting your blessings is a foundation of well-being. And number 10, intimate relationships may be difficult, but are accompanied by professional success. This right. is on a great blog post. So tell us where we can find it so people can read more and get more oh, in depth thank with you what so we talked much. about today. My, uh, if, you're, if you're liking websites and blog posts, I'm at drmargaretrutherford.com. I do have a podcast, and there are three, soon to be four, episodes on Perfectly Hidden Depression. Oh, great. Uh, the podcast is Self Work with Dr. Margaret Rutherford. It's on iTunes and Stitcher, and I think I'm now on SoundCloud. And then uh, I will go on and give my email address. <laughs> I hope I don't get 250 <laughs> emails, but if I do, I will answer them. <laughs> uh, my email is askdrmargaret at drmargaretrutherford.com, and I'll be more than happy to li- It is confidential. I'll be more than happy to listen and respond whatever anybody sends me. Oh, that's fantastic. Margaret, it's been so fantastic having you on the show. All right, I wanted to mention that this show is uh, created by AIM Media. They do Clean Eating Magazine, Better Nutrition, Amazing Wellness. As a matter of fact, if you need more help incorporating natural products, remedies, and tips into your life, Better Nutrition Magazine has created a 90-day program running June through August. It can walk you through some of the best ways to kick sugar cravings, get better sleep, reduce your stress, and more. It's called Go Natural in 90. You can learn about it at betternutrition.com. Best of all, you can enter to win fantastic and fun prizes throughout the summer, including multivitamins, protein powders, herbs, green foods, probiotics, and more. I also wanted to give a shout out to Avo Haas avocado oil. Get their avocado oil. It is fantastic. It is delicious. They've got garlic. They've got chili. They've got regular. It's a real stuff. It's green. It's wonderful. Check them out at www.avohass.com. I'm Lisa Davis. Check out Talk Healthy Today on Facebook at Talk Healthy Today Podcast, Instagram at Talk underscore healthy underscore today, and Twitter and Snapchat at Talk Healthy the number two day. Thanks for listening and stay well.